0: You're listening to Making Waves, a show about sound art, produced by New Adventures in Sound Art. On today's show, we explore two works by sound artist Andra McCartney. They were both made from cross-Canada rail trips. The first, during the winter of 2003, and the second, just last summer, during the widespread wildfires that happened in British Columbia and Northern Ontario. First, we'll listen to the piece that uh, Andrew McCartney made from the trip in 2003, which is called Canadian Train Radio 1. Following that, we'll talk to her about her experiences on these trips and how they influenced the two pieces. And then we'll conclude the show listening to a kind of a work-in-progress version of her new piece, Canadian Train Radio 2018, Waiting Games and Widespread Smoke. Andrew McCartney is a sound artist of Canadian and UK background. She's also a writer. She's interested in everyday sound, traffic, ambiences, and experiences. Her recent work can be heard on her SoundCloud page, Andra Sound.
1: Tuesday. Tuesday and we're north of Perry Sound. I just did a scan on FM and passing a cargo train. We finally got to the part of the journey. It's about five o'clock on Tuesday, we're in Capriol Minus 20 degrees and we're about an hour and a half late.
0: Find sunny skies at minus
1: 22 in Edmonton, mainly sunny
0: For the news and weather, I'm Andy Posthumus reporting Next News at 9 on the CKUA radio network. That was Canadian Train Radio 1 by Andra McCartney, which was made following a cross-Canada trip in March 2003. Now here's my interview with her, reflecting on this piece, as well as uh, another more recent cross-Canada train piece made last summer. Um, Perhaps uh, maybe if you can compare uh, these two cross-Canada trips and your attitudes before and, and realizations afterwards.
1: The one in 2003, um, I had never been on a long-distance train trip before, and uh, part of why I was interested was living without a car for many years um, and uh, moving more towards train travel as um, my main way of getting around. Uh, So I... I used the train in the uh, Ontario-Quebec corridor quite a bit, uh, but I'd never taken a long-distance trip, and I needed to go out west. So I decided to take a radio with me, partly because I knew of the um, shared history of radio and train in Canada that um, the first... uh, national radio network uh in north america was was on uh was on the train um and uh and broadcast all the way across canada so um i i was thinking of that and thinking also about how radio kind of locates us uh uh through or especially um um local radio stations that that have programming about that area so um so i wanted to put the two together and uh and so i i took a wind-up radio which turned which turned out to be a problem that i hadn't thought of um and uh but it was fine i worked around it and uh and i took a recorder so that I could record the sounds of the train, the sounds of the radio, um, and in some cases, the sounds of the stations that we passed through. And because it was winter, it was March, um, I became fascinated by just how cold it was, especially as we moved into Northern Ontario and then the prairies uh, where it was uh, spectacularly cold. And the, the, the train was also spectacular in the way it looked with all of the ice, uh, icicles all over it, and the way it moved through uh, the land, um, uh, seeming to be unconcerned by the cold. Uh, so um, those became, the, the cold became a theme of, of that trip, and, but also my experience on the train. So I was in a sleeper car that had not a, a door, but a curtain. And uh, a wind up radio, it turns out, makes quite a bit of noise when you're winding it up. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I became quite uh, self conscious about the sound of winding up the radio. And my recordings, therefore, were relatively short because, you know, if it ran out of juice, I would think, okay, I'm not going to bug my neighbors anymore by winding up this radio. So even though the radio itself was relatively quiet, the sound of the winding was loud. And um, so that, you know, made me laugh afterwards, the technical problem. Um, And uh, that that trip, uh, when I made the piece, uh, I kept to the east to west movement of the, Train. So I, I had um, recordings that I had done at, at different spots along the route. And I really, I spoke them as if I was announcing a station each time uh, and, uh, and, and also the time and whether we were late or not. Um, so I was, I, I kept that structure, that linear structure of the trip from east to west. Um, and, uh, and there were some surprises. Uh, there, uh, there was one, I, I discovered the connection between AM radio and the train itself, the physical connection, in that when you listen to AM between the stations, you hear the sound of the train in the radio the radio was modulated by the train in some way. And I, I don't really understand the physics of that, but it's really interesting to listen to and to record. So I I recorded that. Um, and I, I sought that out when I did the second trip as well. Um, those sounds where the radio took on the motion of the train. Um, I, I, I think it, Yeah, it makes a really interesting sound. And I've discovered through the two trips that it works better if you have an analog radio rather than a digital one, because the digital one will try to resolve the problem. And you'd be like, no, no, it's not really a problem. Don't resolve it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I think uh, the next trip I go, I'm going to seek out uh, an analog radio, because this trip, the second trip, I had a digital radio, so I could get little clips of that happening, and then it would resolve. And I want to take an analog radio and uh, and, and do it again, um, because it's it. Yeah, that's a really interesting combination. I I think. Um, uh, and then uh, when I wanted when I decided to do the trip. This, uh, this last year, uh, in 2018, um, I, now I am, uh, I'm not driving a car at all, uh, for, uh, for physical reasons and other reasons too. I really prefer, um, I prefer group travel to individual travel, um, and I prefer train to, uh, just about anything really, um. And uh, so I was going out west uh, for a number of reasons, and I decided that I would uh, take the train both ways. Um, and, uh, and so my trip was in August of last year, and uh, by chance it turned out to be that when I arrived in BC, from the time I arrived until the time I left, what was the same length of the longest weather advisory in BC history widespread smoke and so that became one theme of the train trip this year and the other theme was um, um as uh, maybe a week before um, we were to leave there was uh, an announcement that uh, that um they were adding 12 hours to each leg of the trip. So there and back would each be 12 hours longer. And um, uh, the reason for that is freight delays. And, uh, and so we went through various freight delays. And, uh, and uh, so there was this theme of waiting, waiting for freight. And um, what the freight was and how much freight there was. And uh, I mean, all of the passengers thought about it a lot because it came up over and over again. So uh, this one, um, rather than having uh, an east-west kind of direction, uh, because I went both ways, um, it, it, it centered around those two themes and then some other vignettes of life on the train uh, that I experienced uh, over that time. And then the sounds of the train and the radio. And the radio, there were weather reports and then also um, advertising that uh, that I recorded from the radio. And I mixed those together thematically rather than uh, linking them to specific places along the route.
0: Social interactions are perhaps different on a long distance train trip versus uh just flying to vancouver or, oh
1: yeah yeah
0: and uh, did, now did you seek out those differences more in the second
1: trip the second trip because it was in the summer um was more social because the train was more full uh, thinking practically about it um, whereas when I went in March, there were a lot less passengers on the train, um, so it, it it was a bit more solitary. I did meet people and on the March trip, uh, but on in the August trip, I met quite a lot of people. And um, there were, in some cases, some unusual coincidences. Uh, so, for instance, one day I was sitting in the dining room, and I looked across the aisle, and I thought I recognized the, the guy there and I thought about it for a minute and then I said, Jan? And he said, oh, Andra. And it was somebody that I had known from 10 years earlier and had not seen in the intervening 10 years and was on the train at the same time <laughs> that I was. So <laughs> that was a really nice coincidence. I got to know uh, his his daughter, who was eight, who I'd never met before. and um, And uh, I mean... It, So over the next couple of days, with those two people, uh, we had meals together, we sat and played cards together and had conversations. And you don't have time for any of that on a flight. Um, When you're uh, with people for two or three or four days, there is a a kind of intimacy that develops about having meals together and walking through the train together. uh, getting off at stations and walking the platform uh, to get some exercise—you um, you do that in groups of two or three with people that uh, who are who were strangers at the beginning and that you know at some in some way at the end and don't necessarily keep in touch with people afterwards. Although I have kept in touch with some people that I met on the train this time, um, so. Uh, yeah, there are possibilities for uh, connections with people and conversations that uh, you can develop much further than you would uh, on a flight.
0: And how are the uh, was the soundscape of the trains different? You know, being more than more than ten years apart.
1: Yeah. Well, there are a lot of similarities because it's the um, in terms of the equipment. Uh, it's the same the the, the uh, cars are the same cars and I'm not sure how old they are but they're really good <laughs> I mean they um, they work so well for that purpose that they um, repair those rather than getting new equipment so that you know the sounds of the say the you know the, the different rooms in in those cars was was similar the stations were different Different. I mean, seasonally it was entirely different. uh, The 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 sounds of the stations. But I think I was also influenced by my other senses uh, in the second trip, and the fact that when we would get out at the stations, uh, particularly once we got to B.C., all through B.C., not just in the in, in the area around the fires, but throughout the whole province you could smell smoke and it smelled as if the fire was not very far away because of thermal inversion. I think um, because of the intense heat of the fire, it gets thrown up really high into the atmosphere and then comes down hundreds of kilometers away. The smell is intense. It's as if as if the fire is right there. So that that affected everything. The photos that tourists would take out of the windows of the train. Uh, There was a haze of smoke everywhere. So I think that affected the way that we heard everything, or it affected the way I heard things, I suppose. Especially when I listened back to the recordings and I was working with the recordings to bring out various aspects of the sound. I was really thinking about other aspects of the journey when I worked with the sounds. So I was kind of coloring the sounds in ways that reflected my experience on the journey.
0: Well, I wanted to ask you about how you approached the two different pieces and both, I guess, were made after your journeys and, and how they were shaped by the journey and, and, uh, and, and other concerns that arose
1: so in both cases i went through uh and listened to the recordings and there were uh, i mean i suppose the biggest difference was that in the in the second trip i had done a lot more recording and particularly with the radio um maybe because i didn't have that sound of the manual crank i could i was doing i and i i was listening to the radio with headphones on a lot of the time on the train. I mean, not a lot of the time, I I did it sporadically, but nevertheless, over eight days of being on the train, that added up to a fair bit of recording, many hours. So I started thinking of the second piece here because it was a similar process, but just more complex the second time. Um, so I listened to the the radio um, recordings and and organized them. Um, so started taking clips and saying, "Okay, this is um, this is a timbral uh, uh, recording." So a recording of radio noise that was interesting to me for some reason, not, you know, a rhythmic pattern or a whistle or something that I found interesting. Um, and then other, uh, so car ads, um, weather reports, those were separate categories. Um, and, um, and then I turned to the recordings of the train and organized those according to, well, somewhere related to radio recordings. So if I had made a recording of the engine right after a, a radio sound that was modulating the engine. And then I would know that I was going to put those two together later. Um, and then there were other, uh, you know, there were the sounds of while our train was still and uh, the freight train was going by, the the, the sounds of... Um, um, in between the the cars where the um, everything's uh, kind of more metallic, different speeds, you know when we're really flying across the prairies. I had a an amazing recording experience around the train station in Winnipeg. Um, I went outside. We were in Winnipeg for a couple of hours, and I went outside the station. And there were so many freight trains uh, going back and forth that it felt like I was swimming in sound or something. It was a very visceral experience. And there were also some high frequency squeals, as you know, there were some curves in the track near me where the freight trains were going by. And I recorded that sound. Um, later, I worked with. Those sounds a lot because the squeals I, I thought had a lot of timbral depth and I thought by slowing those sounds down by certain amounts um, I would be able to create an even deeper uh, timbral field and um, uh, and so I did did a number of different I chose different sections of that and. Slowed it down by different amounts, and um, uh, and then kept all of those sound files as well. And then I went b- back to journals that I had written during the during the trips uh, about my uh, experiences, not just of sound, but of of the train, of things that happened on the train, of other senses that um, that were. Um, Uh, that that were on my mind. Um, And and then out of those journal entries and my thoughts and research that I had done after returning home, I made short text pieces that I spoke. Um, In some cases, just uh, uh, speaking numbers or um, uh, reading signs that I saw on the on the on the uh, freight trains and, and in other cases uh, more poetic uh, constructed text that went much further than the previous piece so the 2003 piece it was more like reporting that I was doing whereas this time it was uh, more, um, and more articulated about my experience and my feelings about waiting and um, and the widespread smoke.
0: Is there, with the train being such a long, long associations had with Canadian identity and the country being kind of developed with the railroad? Um, do you find that that having traveled across the country this way that your understanding of Canadian identity and and this even this waiting that you mentioned um, whether your idea of Canadian identity has changed at all by the trip?
1: Yeah, well, yeah, it's um, it is. Um, I started to do research uh, when I when I came back, and I started with one of the recordings that I. Had talked about a specific fire, the Shovel Lake Fire, and I thought, okay, I'm going to start there. I'm going to see what I can find out about the Shovel Lake Fire um, to kind of deepen my knowledge about that aspect of uh, of what I had um, what I'd experienced. And so I found out that the Shovel Lake Fire was fought by um, BC Wildfire Services. Uh, by the wildfire services of two First Nations, and by Mexican firefighters. When I was reading about the history of the uh, railway, I learned about um, how important it was to the creation of Canada, that in fact BC insisted on having the railway, otherwise they weren't going to join the country. So it it had it had to happen, and um, also in the construction of the railway, like the uh, fire that was being fought, um, there were there were three uh, important groups: um, people um, of what was to become Canada, um, um, First Nations uh, workers, and migrant workers uh, this time from China, thousands of migrant workers from China who did the most dangerous work, uh, and many of them died in explosions creating the the railway. So it made me realize that, yes, that the the train is very important to Canadian identity, and that it has to acknowledge um, and live with how that identity was constructed uh, through the work of of migrants, uh, many of whom died, uh, to create that. And the work of uh, First Nations, whose, whose world was really transformed by the, the cutting through of the, the railway, um, and the, the work of the um, people of other parts of Canada who, uh, who also worked on that railway. So it's much more complex than the stories of Canadian identity that were part of the history I was taught in school in high school I think that uh, it's important to think about all of those threads of identity um, and how and and the and the faults in those threads as well um, and not to gloss it all over to acknowledge that, that all of those parts are there and in with all of the tensions between them.
0: Did you kind of confront those different aspects of Canadian society within the train or was it something more external uh, outside of the train? Um,
1: There were, uh, there were certainly, um, conversations that happened on the train. Um, I asked uh, I asked a staff member who was telling us about the history of the Fraser Valley as we were going through it. Uh, I asked about the role of um, Chinese migrant workers. Uh, and he spoke about that and uh, acknowledged uh, the importance of the work that they had done and the danger that they were put in. And so... Uh, it, Via via staff, were not uh, trying to hide anything. Although they probably discussed it in more detail because I asked a question rather than just going on to the next thing. Um, but a lot of what I learned, so I I mean, I didn't know uh, I didn't know anything about the intricacies of firefighting in BC and um, The difference between firefighting and fire keeping and um, how many thousand uh, controlled burns were prescribed by First Nations um, fire services more than a decade before. And only about 40 of them had been done because of bureaucratic problems. So. I didn't know any of that when I was on the train. It was only later that I uh, that that I knew uh, um, those kinds of details. And I, I sought them out because of my experience on the train. I'm very much affected by um, a filmmaker called Agnès Varda from uh, France. And um, she really... Uh, believes in bringing other people's voices into a, a, a conversation with the work that she does. And so um, I've talked to a few people as uh, who've listened to the, the piece um, as I was working on it. I've talked to some other people about issues that have come up uh, in relation to, to the work, um, planning to to do a a short piece at the end um, in a in a few months um, with some of the the uh, comments and issues and themes that that have come up in conversations with other people about the work. So that's the the caboose, I guess, mm-hmm. at the end of the train. The caboose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: You're listening to Making Waves on WGXC Wayfarm. Making Waves is produced by New Adventures in Sound Art. You were just listening to Andrew McCartney in conversation about her two pieces made from cross-Canada train trips. Next, we're going to listen to the piece that she made from last year's trip. This is a a draft version of the piece. It will be premiered uh, May 3rd at NASA North Media Arts Centre. Uh, The piece is called Canadian Train Radio 2018, Waiting Games and Widespread Smoke. For listeners that uh, won't be able to make it to the uh, premiere to hear the final version, we uh, hope to broadcast the performance on Nasa Radio, uh, which will be uh, at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on Nasa Radio. And you can find that at nasa.ca/slash nasa-radio, or just look for the headphone symbol at the top of the nasa.ca website. So without further ado, let's listen to Canadian Train Radio 2018 by Andrew McCartney, Waiting Games in Widespread Smoke.
1: the train to take the time to take a radio, to take the train and listen, to take the time and play. And then there was more time. Twelve hours added in each direction for freight train delays. And there was the question of timing. My eight days in BC coincided exactly with the longest weather advisory in BC history. Widespread smoke. Choice and chance. walk without canes, railings everywhere to steady us, all the passengers swaying, everyone tentative, slower, more careful, one railing, sometimes two, hand against the wall, edge of a seat, stop, start, glide, lurch. We wait at the corner for a slow-moving couple to navigate the narrow corridor. We dance slowly around each other, turning at the corner to the motion of the train. Brush. Press. Sorry. Wait. Squeeze by. Thank you. Our turn now. Twelve more cars until the next door. On the train, I walk without canes. A group of locomotive fans wears t-shirts of famous locomotives and their exploits. Driver for a fiver, they say. You could drive a steam engine on a heritage line in Britain. I tell them that my granddad was a steam locomotive engineer, and they speak of all the things he would have had to know. How much coal to have for a trip, not to run out, or to slow the train down with too much weight how to keep the water boiling up and down steep hills and not have it run dry. The early trains on this route were steam engines. The locomotive fans speak of subtle feelings. Ed says, at the Continental Divide, he feels a slight pulling become a slight pushing. The table in the dome at the top of the stairs, an eight-year-old girl is teaching me a game of cards, or reminding me, because I played this game last in high school. Through the mountain passes, it's full of sightseers, and here on the prairies, we play all afternoon, watching the grasslands wave and shimmer in the sun. Wait, we're stopping. Do you feel it? How the waves change? I can feel it now in my bones. It's almost here. Waiting. they pass, the freight cars. Not every time, but this time there are 126. Yesterday, Samid and his daughter counted 132. And Dave says one time it was 160. I hear there'll be 300,000 this year. for freight 33 we play waiting games 35 how many cars 36 what's in them 36 what do they say 38 how much they must weigh 40 41 42 43 tax 45 Evergreen, Chronos. Jasper's not far down the O-O-C-L- line. How late will C-L- we be this time? Tax. Come on now, put down your dime. Canadian dimes, the Wisconsin folks say. 53 How many minutes? 54 I was too optimistic. Off by an hour. Really missed it. 57, Do you feel it? How the waves change? Sixty. I can feel 61, it now in my bones, 62, in my gut. Sixty three. China Shipping, 64, Yangtze, Liquid Petroleum, 66, Pro-Pour, Liquid Petroleum Gas, 67, blocks, Liquid Petroleum Gas, 68, Motorbike, 69, Riddix, 9, Liquid Petroleum Gas, Liquid Petroleum Gas, Liquid Petroleum Gas, Liquid Petroleum Gas.
0: Liquid Ford employee pricing gas. is back at West Coast Ford Lincoln.
1: And it's happening at the oh, I didn't like to wear short
0: sleeve shirts and became self-conscious because I knew everyone gas. stared. Then my old liquid car broke down. So gas. I headed over to Skyline Motors. I told them about my embarrassing problem.
1: Liquid and they petroleum gas. Motorcycles. Cars. 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 Liquid petroleum gas. Liquid petroleum gas. Liquid
0: petroleum gas.
1: Transits priority logistics. Do not hammer on a car. Do not apply vibrators to any part. Use no forklifts. Liquid petroleum gas. Liquid petroleum gas. Liquid petroleum gas. Liquid controlling the gas. Liquid controlling the gas. Once again, I was devoted to the imaginary moose. I sat for hours, gazing at the wetlands, watching for movement, hoping I would see a large, lonely shape walking through the reeds, but no such luck. Then on the station stop, I saw Dave, who knows about my quest to see a moose somewhere. Did you see them? he said. No. Really? Yes, he insisted. A moose and her calf right near the tracks. Where was I? How could I have missed it? We arrive at Jasper and I wonder, is it early morning mist all that grey? And the steward says, wear a jacket. It's cold out there today. Across from the station, boutiques wait for tourist folk. Islands in a sea of asphalt, mountains hidden in a huge grey cloak. With that acrid smell, and I cough and cough, widespread smoke. as do air quality advisories due to that morning, wildfire smoke drifting in from Alberta and BC. Died when the EF4 tornado tore eight, through the area and destroyed tomorrow, his home. His family the says the retired teacher and farmer called at least two family members to warn of them of the storm 21. beforehand.
0: Cloudy Friday, 60% chance of showers, a high of 16. Cloudy Saturday, 60% chance, for chance for of showers. Air quality
1: advisories due to smoke from wildfires continue for much of the province on the north coast during this afternoon with a high of 17. Highs up to 26 and Sunny with local and smoke in the piece, in the central interior, including the mixture of good morning. Some sun coming in up the smoke with local so smoke in today. How long will it the last southern, southern interior? Smoke again with a bit the of, the of sunshine on the high. for Vancouver and Victoria, highs up to 30 in the smoke. The route is busiest between the coast and the mountains. There's an extra viewing car and all the seats are taken. Tourist photos of these mountains and canyons show their stark outlines against blue skies, but not today. The smoky haze blurs the distance, hides the rows of mountains, focuses all our attention on the other track. On the far side of the river, different trains, echoes of our motion through this land. The bridge looks delicate against the rock, filigree like icing on a cake, as if at any moment it might melt down the hard rock wall. The haze of smoke brings to mind earlier smoky gestures. The lines of coal smoke from steam engines in the early days of the railway. Bursts of smoke from nitroglycerin explosions when migrant workers from China risked their lives to create these tracks, to create Canada. Dots and columns of smoke from fishing stations crowding the shores of this fertile river for thousands of years. The reverberations of all these movements, still resonating in the land and the tracks, unheard but felt, felt in the bones, felt in the heart.